Welcome to the Dermatology Podcast, the official podcast of the European Academy of Dermatology and Venereology. I'm Christopher Horskamp. And I'm Cécile Mitoire. And we are your hosts. We are in the month of May, which is Skin Cancer Awareness Month. Today is part two of our two-part mini-series on sunbeds and skin cancer. We'll get into that in just a moment. But first... EADV Live will host a webcast, Dermoscopy from Head to Toes, on Wednesday, May 5th at 6 p.m. Central European Summertime. Tune in on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and for members, sign up on the EADV eLearning platform. During the live webcast, you can submit questions for the speakers. More information is available on EADV's social media pages and, of course, on www.eadv.org under education. And now... We're just a couple of days away now. That's right. On the 6th and 7th of May, the ADV Spring Symposium will be one of the most important virtual events this spring. With over 100 speakers and 30 hours of semi-live lectures, our scientific program is full of exciting updates. For more information, go to www.eadvsymposium2021.org. The weather is starting to get warmer, and regardless of the COVID situation, people are preparing to be outdoors and planning a summer of being in the sunshine. Beaches, barbecues, hiking, swimming, and general fun under the sun. Some people may be thinking about going to solarium to get a head start on the summer and get that base tan, but our guest today would advise you otherwise. You see, May Skin Cancer Awareness Month. And just some numbers on that. Uh, Euromelanoma has published that annual cases of melanoma, the deadliest form of skin cancer, have increased by nearly 50%. Further, the WHO predicts that by 2025, the number of deaths resulting from melanoma will increase by 20%, rising to 74% by 2040. One person dies from melanoma every four minutes, And this doesn't factor in the non-melanoma skin cancer. There are some absolutely unnecessary risks when it comes to skin cancer. And that brings us to the subject of today's continued discussion, sunbeds and skin cancer. We're back again with Associate Professor Mariano Supa, and we're going to pick up where we left off last week. So you significantly contributed to a special issue published in the JADV in 2019 uh, on sunbed use in Europe. What are the most important findings of your articles entitled Prevalence and Determinants of Sunbed Use in 30 European Countries, data from Euromelanoma Skin Cancer Prevention Campaign, and Who, Why, Where, an overview of determinants of sunbed use in Europe, regarding the determinants of sunbed use in Europe? That's a question that um, that may, may, makes me very happy because I am really attached to those two papers. Uh, I would like to start with the second one, the, the review of the literature, which we decided to call "Who I Were: An Overview of Determinants of Some Bad Use in Europe." So uh, at that time, I was, you know, in starting to engage in my PhD project about some beds. So my PhD projects, the main focus was the Euromelanoma database which included at that time uh, almost 230,000 individuals. And this was a unique um, uh, opportunity to compare uh, many European countries uh, in terms of sunbed use, something that had never been done before. But before doing that, I wanted to 
kind of make a state of the art of the literature and just you know i wanted to focus on the european studies of somebody use at that time actually we had way more Euro uh, american and australian studies on the subject rather than european ones so before starting my research i wanted to see Hmm. You know, what is the situation of the European research? What are the met needs? What are the, the met needs that I should feel, that the gaps that I should feel? And so in this review, who I were, uh, I uh, reviewed all the European studies and I found that the typical Sunbed users in Europe were young adult women with intermediate, intermediate skin type and a current employment, and so with a medium-high socioeconomic status. Um, this was not a surprise because we know from experience and also from the American and Australian experience that women are the, 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 the most uh, eager group in using some beds with prevalence uh, you, you, um, usually twice or three times more than men. Um, and then uh, intermediate skin type, also not a surprise, and with a medium-high socioeconomic status. Uh, that was the, the, the data uh, coming from studying, uh, studies until 2015, let's say. And what about the typical users? The typical users also displayed as, uh, um, other sun-seeking behaviors. So they didn't just like to, uh, to do indoor tanning, but also natural tanning in the sun. And they also displayed other risky behaviors, such as smoking and alcohol consumptions, consumption. Um, also, uh, it, it was found by previous studies that there was a sort of a north-south gradient in the use of sunbed in Europe, with northern countries much more likely to use it uh, rather than, than the southern countries. And this is easy to explain because in the north you have less sun, so people crave the sun, crave a tan much more than in the South Europe, in Southern Europe. Uh, but interestingly, I also found exceptions. Uh, for example, uh, some, in the studies, some bad user remain, remained also common in fair-skinned skin, individuals and also among adolescents and sometimes even pre-adolescents, which is, of course, very worrisome. Um, also, I focused on why people were using some beds and the most common reasons uh, had to do with aesthetic motives, uh, so, so uh, looking attractive. And also the, push, the pursuit of a, a privation tan, uh, a well-known myth. People think that they need to go into some beds uh, to be tanned a little bit before going into vacation. And actually there is absolutely no scientific evidence that this is beneficial, actually this is detrimental. Also, other reasons were the influence of peers and uh, so friends, but also uh, family members, even the parents, uh, engaging in the same habit, and uh, sometimes also the treatment of health conditions. So th this was an excuse to uh, to use some beds. For example, I have acne or I have psoriasis, uh, I have vitiligo, and so I want to use some beds. So in Europe, where do you find sunbeds? Are they always in solariums? In uh, reporting the, the most common places uh, to get an artificial tan in Europe. And there were, uh, of course, uh, tanning studios or beauty salons. But uh, very worrisome sometimes. Uh, um, it was also, uh, sunbeds were also available in sport venues, so completely unsupervised, uh, or swimming pools or gyms hotels, for example, and even more worrisome, sometimes private houses. 
Okay, for example, I have personally, I have a patient uh, who um, did uh, some beds for uh, twice a week for 30 years. So this makes a total of 3,000 sessions in his life. And I am treating in my surgical theater this patient for skin cancer every three weeks. So right, and in the, in the last year, I removed, for example, uh, 54 basal cell carcinoma on him. That's shocking. Just to give you an extent of the risk. And so I think this was a, a, an important review uh, because it included a lot of factors that should definitely be taken into account when planning uh, educational, behavioral, or registrative strategies to contain some bad use. Then after finishing this first paper, I got to uh, the, the real job. So exploiting the Euromelanoma um, uh, databases, which included at that time, I remind you, two, uh, almost 230,000 individuals. And the objective of the, of the second study, the prevalence of some bad news in uh, 30 European countries, was to compare for the first time several European countries in terms of prevalence and determinants of some bad news. And this was an absolute first. Why? Because there had never been a study before using the same questionnaire on 30 different countries, and only the euromelanoma in Europe can do that. So the euromelanoma uh, it consists in a skin cancer prevention campaign every year during the month of May. Patients come in for free, they are examined, and they also must fulfill a questionnaire about different uh, skin cancer risk factors. And one of these risk factors is some bad use. So we selected the questions of some bad use, and uh, so we were able to uh, analyze it in comparison to the countries. And then also uh, in another paper, we were able to compare the, the some bad use with the um, prevalence of uh, some clinical findings uh, such as high nevus count or, or, or atypical nevi or sun damage. Based on your research, what is the prevalence of some bad use in Europe? So in this particular paper, um, we uh, first of all we found that the European, the current European prevalence of some bad use was around 10%, which was a bit surprising because a previous meta analysis. Uh, actually showed that the prevalence in Europe was actually four times higher, 40%. But this 10% can be explained by two uh, main facts. The first one is that people in, in my study uh, came from a skin cancer prevention campaign. So maybe we, we are talking about people who were, uh, who were a little bit more aware of the risk and therefore that were, uh, they were engaging in uh, indoor tanning less. And the second explanation is that because this was a very comprehensive European studies study, it involved for the first time people coming from Eastern European countries, uh, which had the lower prevalence of use, whereas the previous meta-analysis uh, uh, was only about the Northern and Western countries. Okay, so the first uh, result was that the prevalence was 10% but overall, but the prevalence was much higher in some countries, the northern countries, for example, Belgium, almost 30%. Um, and we uh, found that, the pre that, that there was, uh, a, again, a gradient north-south in the prevalence of use, with northern countries much more likely to use some beds than uh, southern countries. Were there any exceptions to this? Italy and Spain displayed a prevalence of use 
very uh, similar to Belgium, in spite of being uh, sunny countries. And th that is that has probably to do with the culture uh, there. Uh, Italian and uh, Spanish people uh, actually like to uh, appear cool, to appear healthy, to appear fashionable. And we, unfortunately, we live in a time, in a social time, in which being tan is, theme, is still considered fashionable, is still considered cool, in quotes. Um, also, another important result was that the main determinants of some values were age, the young adults were the most uh, uh, eager group uh, to engage in indoor tanning, and gender, with females uh, being the uh, most avid users. And we, we found that education and skin type had a less relevant effect. So it's so contrary to what was found before. So it's like, you know, like the, your pigmentation or also your social status uh, are becoming irrelevant to some use, which is something that we also observe with cigarette smoking over the years. So I would say that some bad use may, is maybe becoming uh, transcendent. transcendent. Uh, it, it's, it's really interesting, all the um, population, not just particular groups. But I would say that apart from that, the, the most uh, interesting and peculiar uh, result was that uh, by looking at the rankings of uh, prevalence of use, the, the, the country rankings, I found the four geographic particularities. So I found, which I named the Iberian particularity, the Balkan particularity, the Baltic and the Scandinavian particularities. So what, what are they? The Iberian particularity consisted in the fact that Spain had 10 times the prevalence of Portugal, in spite of these two countries being uh, neighbors and being both in the sun. And this is uh, this has probably to do again with the cultural perception of body issues. For example, there is a study of anorexia demonstrating that the determinants of uh, um, how the body is perceived are completely different in Spain and in Portugal. Hmm. It's funny, but it, it's uh, scientifically demonstrated. And then the Balkan particularity, uh, I found that the Balkan country had the larger largest disproportion between a female females and males in some bad use so i already said that in all countries um women are much more likely to use some beds than men, than men. But in the Balkan countries, these disproportion are like six times higher, which oh, is much wow. more than the, the other countries. And this has probably to do uh, with the perception of masculinity in the Balkan countries, which was shaped by the very difficult post-war times in the 90s. Uh, in those countries, the masculinities are, are very, very strong. So I would say that, you, you know, it's uh, for, for men, there, it's much more difficult uh, than for men in uh, other countries uh, in Europe to actually say, I want to look cool and I want to go into some beds, you know. Uh, so they really have to establish that they are real men and so they would never do something like that or, for example, go to an institution and so on. And this problem of masculinity is not something that I am um, speculating about, but this is um, something that is recognized at the European level. They, these countries also have much more uh, masculinity-related uh, problems, for example, uh, sexual abuse or drug consumption uh, or homophobia, for example. And this is, uh, at some point, this was a real problem and the European Commission actually gave a lot of million euros uh, to those countries, to the schools, in order to re-educate masculinities. So this could be 
a possible explanation of these uh, Balkan particularities. Another one is the Baltic particularity, uh, which, uh, which is that the Baltic countries have the highest prevalence of sunbed use among young adults in Europe. And the other side of the coin, the Scandinavian particularity, uh, in these countries have the highest prevalence among adolescent, adolescents. So the Baltic particularities, uh, particularity higher, higher, uh, highest prevalence among young adults might be explained by the fact that uh, in the Baltic region, there, there has been in the last 20 years a, a very uh, um, wild globalization economically. And so, you know, when you have economical uh, globalization, usually you also have um, a globalization of the customs, so you globalization of the culture. So maybe the young adults in those countries wanted to kind of catch up with the, their peers in Spain and in Italy, say, and they wanted to be cool and tanned. And so maybe that's why they, they wanted to conform to, uh, you know, to, to the Southern Europe uh, counterpart. And in the Scandinavian countries, this very high prevalence among adolescents is explained by the fact that, surprisingly enough, those countries only very, very recently uh, put on a legislation preventing uh, uh, adolescents to do indoor tanning. Until 2016, actually, one adolescent, adolescent out of two in the Scandinavian countries was engaging in some bad use, believe it or not. So I think that all these data coming from this uh, study about the prevalence of sunbed use in Europe uh, are, are important because in my, in my view, they have public health relevance for future interventions that aim to, at reducing sunbed use in Europe. If you want to reduce the use of, the, the use of sunbeds, you need to know who you have to target, which particular subgroups you have to focus on and what are the issues uh, you cannot just say, okay, let's reduce without knowing, uh, you know, how varied and particular is the population. So that's why I think that all these uh, geographic particularities, for example, might be very important at the legislative level. Definitely. Very impressive findings. And actually, my next question is about this. Uh, based on your findings, could you share some suggestions, ideas for effective educational behavioral and legislative interventions to reduce the popularity of artificial tanning in Europe. Oh well, you 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 are asking uh, complicated questions because <laughs> this is uh, this is a, a very hot topic, uh, and this is not something that is that that is easy to address in my view. But however, I would say that you know i i think that uh, as you said in your question we have three levels of intervention educational behavioral and legislative um, from an educational point of view uh, i think that it is very important especially for the young people to have a good role model and what what uh, better role model than the parents so i think that the parental role modeling is very very uh, important uh, so of course, if we have parents who engage in indoor tanning, then it's much, much more difficult to target adolescents, telling them not, not to do that. So, first of all, we should educate the parents. Uh, second, of, second of all, we should um, uh, address common misconceptions. Uh, for example, the prevacation tan, which is uh, completely untrue. Also, the treatment of health condition, for, such as acne of psoriasis. There are other ways uh, of treating uh, those. So, uh, 
um, this should be really addressed, that these justifications are not medically sound. I've even heard people say that they go for vitamin D purposes. Does, does that work? Uh, of course, some beds are uh, a good way if you if you want to increase vitamin D in the immediate. But then this is uh, this increase uh, is only transient, and of course this cannot be justified because of the carcinogenic risk of uh, some bed use. And how do you get this message across? I think that we should stress to people that they could pay even a, high, a higher long-term price in terms of uh, skin cancer than the short-term cosmetic benefit. Uh, we should stress this, but sometimes this you know, could not be enough because we know from previous publications that knowledge is very important, but sometimes this is not enough, this is not sufficient to, to change the behavior. And actually, in one of my previous publications, uh, always in GRDB, but like 10 years ago, I, I actually demonstrated that when the um, health message in dermatology comes from the dermatologist in, himself or herself or the general practitioner, it could be way more effective than the messages coming from the mass media. So I think that from a, an educational point of view, we should involve dermatologists and general practitioners in uh, delivering the, the educational message. Uh, from a behavioral uh, point of view, I think that we should also alter the perception uh, that the tan is healthy or attractive, not just by um, insisting on the carcinogenicity of uh, uh, some bad use, but also on the negative cosmetic effects of some bad use. Because I told you already that some beds actually increases uh, the skin aging; they can uh, give us uh, premature skin aging, and so. Uh, the, I think that sometimes this can be even more uh, convincing than just say to people, no, don't do that because maybe, maybe later on in life you could develop a skin cancer. And why? Because people do some bad for cosmetic reasons. So if we tell them this is not, this is actually not good from a cosmetic point of view, you know, then maybe they, they, we may be able to dismantle the, the fascination of that. What kind of behavioral intervention could be initiated to dismantle this fascination? To involve celebrities. For example, there are websites uh, websites uh, with uh, uh, fair skin celebrities uh, who, uh, in quotes, will make you want wear a sunscreen or actually there are also stories from celebrities about skin cancer coming from some bad news uh, for example Hugh, Jack, Hugh Jackman, Diane Keaton, Melanie Griffith all these uh, celebrities uh, stated that they had skin cancer or very openly and then and therefore people should protect themselves and not do some bads. Also, from a behavioral point of view, uh, uh, I think it would be very, very useful to display uh, in a mandatory way strong messages on in, in directly on the cabins, on the sunbed cabins in the uh, tanning parlors. For example, strong images of the detrimental effects of sunbed use, for example, skin aging and uh, cancer. And again, a parallelism, a parallel with the cigarette story, you know, uh, until a few years ago on the uh, packs of cigarettes, we only had messages just written like, you know, smoking can kill you. And now we have images which are much stronger in delivering, in delivering the messages. And interestingly, also they are consistent across diverse groups, ethnic groups, socioeconomic groups. So 
images, an image is worth 1,000 words in every uh, field. And I think also in this field, it could be very, very useful to show uh, visual uh, um, messages in the tanning parlors. And your thoughts on legislative intervention? Well, personally, I think that... Um, uh, it is very good that, that at the European level, uh, uh, some bets are forbidden to minors, and this should be enforced in every country. Uh, also, uh, the same goes for at-risk individuals. Another uh, measure could be uh, to have trained staff ensuring the enforcement of rules uh, in tanning parlors. And also, as, as I just said, you, you know, that the display of clear visual, visual messages should be mandatory in tanning parlors. And then, the big question uh, in uh, legislative intervention, what about the ban? What about banning completely some beds, not just for minors, but uh, completely? And I say this because actually there are two uh, countries uh, in the world who already enforced a total ban of some beds. And those are Brazil in 2009 and Australia in uh, 2016. But the question is, uh, do we really need a ban well, from an ideal point of view, yes, for the reason that I, that I said before. And the reasons are that because the European Commission and the WHO said that there is no safe limit for some bad, for, for some bad use, well, whatever the legislative measure uh, is, this is going to be insufficient unless the legislative measure is an outright ban, okay? But the problem is that an outright ban um, uh, might seem too strong a measure to uh, some people or even to a lot of people. First of all, because we have lessons from the alcohol story, the tobacco story, and the cannabis story that in many instances, a total prohibition is doomed to fail. This failed for alcohol in the US in the 30s. This obviously failed with tobacco because a lot of people are still smoking. And this failed uh, with cannabis and actually Cannabis is um, much is even sometimes less used or used without a lot of social problems in uh, in the countries in which it is legal. For example, the Netherlands, you know, um, and also a total ban uh, of some bets might be considered uh, philosophically against personal choice and against informed consent. Uh, and similarly, again to cigarettes or alcohol, or proce even processed food, or sugary fizzy drink, or fatty food, uh, which are all not banned, but they are totally uh, detrimental to human, he human health. So the ban of some beds, you know, is, is a very, very difficult topic. Personally, I believe that regardless of the ban, it is my duty as a dermatologist and as, and as a researcher to send to the public a clear message. And this message, message should be that, uh, that some beds uh, are carcinogenic and should be avoided. And my point of view is not just mine, but it, it is corroborated by several, go um, several uh, organizations, um, including the WHO, as I said, the European Commission, and but also other organizations, for example, the French Agency for Food and Environmental and Occupational Health and Safety, and uh, at, at a more global level, the ECL, which is the Association of European Cancer Leagues. So in conclusion, in my opinion, the message should be don't do some beds, even though they are not officially banned. Yes, maybe banning just makes it more attractive for people.
Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Then you might hear secret tanning parlors. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> like, for example, there were uh, the there were secret um, uh, saloons in, in which to enjoy a glass of beer or a glass of wine in the U.S. during the the big prohibition. You know. So we've reached the end of our questions, and now we just want to thank you for sharing such important information and your time with us and our listeners out there. Thank you. Thank you very much for this uh, nice opportunity. Uh, it was my pleasure. Goodbye, everyone. That was Associate Professor Mariano Supa sharing his vast research on sunbeds. Some of the research discussed today can be found in the JADV. Though you can find pre-access and open-access articles, EADV members benefit greatly by having access to all articles and content. We would like to send a special thank you to all of our listeners. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, follow us on Spotify, or otherwise find us on any major podcast provider. We appreciate you joining us and look forward to presenting more interviews, research, and other topics of merit. Until the next episode, take care of your skin.